You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, I'm Kathleen Monteleone, and I make film and theater for a living. Kathleen Monteleone is an actor, singer, writer, and producer. Right out of college, she competed for the role of Sandy on NBC's Grease, You're the One That I Want, and from there landed lead roles in Legally Blonde and Hands on a Hard Body. She's since branched out into filmmaking and currently stars in the comedy American Reject, which she also wrote and produced. Here's my chat with Kathleen Monteleone. Who are you and what do you make for a living? Good question. Um, I'm Kathleen Monteleone. Um, I make theater. I make film. I'm an actor. Uh, I am all of a sudden now a writer and a filmmaker. And I'm a singer. And a mom. And a wife. And I pretty much run a farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're trying to farm? <laughs> no, I said I pretty much run a farm. I feel oh, like yeah. every day is like from... <laughs> 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's just farm life, you know. You're sweaty at the end of the day. Take off your boots, yeah. Yeah, you got to wrangle all of the various pieces, not yes. just of the work, but of the kids and, and whatnot, I'm sure. Right, right. How did you get started, and what did you get started with? Was it acting initially? Yeah, so I've just always had the dream to be a Broadway star, like the kind where you're, like, smoking a cigarette in the theater, Ethel Merman. Like, I don't even think I put together that that was, like, actual acting or singing or training. And so I just has – I've always had this dream. And so I was really into dance and choir and just kind of like a big ham growing up. And then I went to school in New York for musical theater and acting. Where'd you go? I went to Marymount Manhattan College on the Upper East Side. And um, from then, I just have been, like, hitting the pavement, going with that big, you know, thing. And um, I've done theater and musical theater and some TV. And I actually got my start right out of college. I was on a reality show. And um, I was, like, like kind of like an American Idol, but it was on NBC. And it was to um, be Sandy or Danny in Broadway's Grease. And so I got on the show, which, of course, I thought I was going to be, like, so famous and I got on and I got the boot. I got to like the top four and then I got the boot. And then I pursued a musical theater career. And then about 10 years later, I started writing about that experience. Then five years later from that, I pretty much have a movie now about it, about the whole thing. So right. What's this it's called? been an interesting trajectory, American Reject. And you've just recently premiered this, right? Well, yes, we're in festivals right now. It's been an interesting year of, um, you know, releasing a film in the times of COVID, but um, we're in festivals, which has actually been great. It's been fun. What does a festival look like these days with, I mean, I've done my fair share with shorts and stuff like that. And my brother's actually had a couple of features and things. What, what does it look like now? Yeah, everything's virtual. So it's a bit of a risk because, you know, normally you have to, you know, fly to Utah and have your pass and everyone just in that, you know, area can watch your film. So everything's virtual and then they do geo-locked, you know, filming. So we were in Oregon and only Oregonians could buy an individual ticket to our film or you have to buy a whole pass. So it's been a good way to like build an audience and get feedback and then also keep it private. So it's not just to the world. And then we as producers don't really have control of that. So it's been actually a really good system. But I think some festivals are more successful because they're having their communities tune in where they weren't before. And then other festivals are like, you know, they're used to having people fly in and, and attend. And that's the groovy part of it all. So 
Yeah, like, did you find you missed the parties? Like, what were they doing in place of the, some of the socializing? Is that kind well, of you know what? Yeah, they do. They do like Zoom hangouts, like like we all love to do. They do like Zoom. Uh, like when uh, Oregon actually had a really good one, and they had like a dance, D, like a DJ guy. Were people getting drunk in their own homes and just like yeah. dancing? No, there to was the like the five year old came in like in her jammies and her tags like. <laughs> <laughs> And my husband and I got a kick out of that. It's like, we got it. Five-year-old in the jammies while you're Zooming work right now. Um, but yeah, no, I was actually kind of nervous to put the film out. You know, it's weird to sit in the theater and be like, hey, everybody, what do you think? Um, so it's kind of a nice little release that I could just be in the comfort of my own home and hear about it through the world, you know, the ether of what was happening. So um, yeah, they, they just kind of extend the whole social thing and just try and keep community of like, hey, let's still support and watch these films and people have, are watching them. They have time to, you know, spend the weekend doing it. So it's good. Well, in, the, in this film, you wrote it. You're one of the producers on it because you produce with your partner. Is that right? Yeah. My husband, Frank, and I produce together. So yeah, we, we kind of got to, we, he's an actor as well. And we kind of got to a place as actors where probably a lot of actors feel this way where you get a little frustrated and you're kind of like, wait a minute. I'm kind of an adult now, and am I, can I just wait around until someone hires me all the time, like, till I die? Like, that's just my <laughs> life. That's what I've chosen for myself. And though I love, 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 love acting, I just, like, I was thinking about having kids. I was like, I can't really, like, do that. Like, I have to have a little bit more. There's got to be more is kind of the, the statement I had. And so the writing of the film kind of started that way. And then I did, you know, I just really kind of put my, it was like my side hustle to just really put my creativity into that. And then after like, you know, rewriting and feedback and all the different things, we decided that we would produce it together. And at the same time, my husband was already kind of producing other things. We were, we were in that place of like, hey, you want to get your friends together and shoot something over the weekend? And then you realize, oh, that's not very easy. That's really hard. If you want to shoot something well, you don't just get your friends together. It's actually a big production. So we really formed like a film company, a development company, and we took on a couple other writers and produced a couple smaller things. And then this is our first feature. So this is definitely what we like to call our indie on steroids because it's the steroidy. Well, you've got quite a cast in this thing. Yeah. Well, that's the benefit of being an actor in New York for so long and just being like, hey, girl, you free? I mean, so it is in a way like asking your friends to come do a, do a movie. Um, but, but when your have, friends are famous, it definitely helps with the movie. Yeah. When they just did like Greatest Showman, that's, you know, great. Um, but yeah, no, but we had some funny miracle stories. Like I've always been like a big rap fan. Like I just like straight out of Compton was my dream. That movie was just like living 1990, whatever. And, um, and juvenile, the rapper, you know, back that ass up, you know, I won't do the whole thing, but, um, he lives here in New Orleans and we filmed the film. (laughs) Yeah. Do the whole thing. Let me just (laughs) get the lyrics up real quick. Cause I'm old now. I don't know any lyrics. Um, but we filmed the, we filmed the whole thing in New Orleans and we needed, I wanted this rap section in this one song in the film and we also, it take, the film takes place on a reality show. So we wanted um, uh, someone to, like a rapper to be one of the star dre- judges. So we're looking for like local actors and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, um, our musical director, one of them was like, hey, I know Juvie. I was like, oh, Juvie, that's how they say it? That's Juve, Juvie, okay. And then skip to, I'm on the phone with Juvenile. And I'm like, hey, it's a story about a girl who loses her dream. And, um, you know, and I'm just giving him my story about the movie. He's like, 
I know how that feels. They used to tell me, this is what, like literally what you say, like they used to tell me, do it this way. And I said, no, I'm doing it that way. And look what happened. I was like, great, you're in. Do the movie, please. And he just showed up the next day and did the movie. So we have these like really funny stories like that. So who else is in this? Who else is in the cast? We have uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, which is also- Never heard of him. Yeah, just- total loser now he's actually he actually blew me away of what like a unbelievable guy he was and he has a miracle story about getting into the movie but we have annalee ashford a good friend of mine from college talk about call your friends chaos settle um uh mary birdsong my hero of all do you ever do you ever watch reno 911 yeah just yeah Man, she's, oh, she's great. amazing she's so good um connie ray i don't know if you're the, a fan of the torkelsons I don't, I don't know. know the Torkelsons. Got that the in Canada? I don't know if we got that. It was a hit show on TGIF between like 1991 and 1991 and a half. And she plays the mom. It was like, it was like full house, but only for like half a season. Not really. Connie Ray, don't quote me on that. Like three seasons, maybe. But I remember I did a show with her and Kayala. Again, call your friends. And, um, and I walked into the reading of the first day. I'm like, I'm sorry, Mrs. Torkelson. <laughs> you could just see her being like, Oh my God, don't say it out loud. You know? It's following me. Then, yeah. <laughs> then she became my friend and now and she plays my mom in the movie. And Oh man, there's just so many, so many good people. Rebecca Black, Friday, Friday. I mean, come on. Um, Angelica Hale. She was the runner up, um, on America's Got Talent. She's like a nine-year-old Whitney Houston, pretty much. Um, so yeah, we we definitely lucked out on some really incredible people. Sounds like a fun bunch. Yeah, everyone was like happy to be there. You know, it was just, it was actually really fun. We shot it in 15 days. That's fast. That's pretty fast for a musical too. So how was that working? I mean, was it because it's a, it, it, it's a parody of, of, of a song, a sing-song show? No, it's all original music. Oh, really? Who wrote so, all the music? Derek Greger and Selda Sahin, who are in New York, they are unbelievable. They can write anything you ask them to. So for on the reality show, and of course it's their own music, but they, they can take direction. You'll say, hey, we need like an Enrique Iglesias 1999, go. And all of a sudden you have like, be my boyfriend. <laughs> you know, like, what's the song? You know, I'll sing it for you later, but, <laughs> but they're so good. So they wrote... All the original music for the characters um, that sing on the show, sing off the show. It's not a musical like, here's my hat, get the keys, here's the car. It's like, you know, characters who sing and actually are musicians and, and singers. So they're different types of performances. Tell me more about this hat and keys musical. It sounds riveting. <laughs> need to hear more of it. It is the worst at like, hey, mom, how you doing? Grab my hat. <laughs> Get my hat. Those are always the ones that bother me, those shows. Even though I love musical theater, those are the ones I can't do. What I like about musical theater is how real it is, how grounded it always is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I wish I could find the perfect moment right now of a musical that just gets me every time. But yes. There's some grounded performances, like from your sister. I have to give her props. She just always brings humanity to everything she does. She's a true star. In that way. You know, I'm just going to have to take credit for that. You know, no, I please do. everything please that do. she knows. It's just uh, <laughs> some family tricks, secrets, you know, that sort of thing from my days on the theater. 
Yeah. When I was 15 and terrible. Um, you're saying this movie actually comes from real life. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, obviously I'm assuming it's quite amped up for screen uh, in mm-hmm. terms of what happens, but the reality of it is it is based in something real. Are, are, are all of the ideas you guys are working on, you and your husband and, and, and you know, other projects stuff, is that generally where your ideas are coming from? Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, I mean, as you know, in working in film, it's so hard to make something and to make something really good and something that you really put so much energy, money, time, everything into. And so I think now that we've made a few things, um, at, at the beginning, we would say, hey, we really want to work with certain people or, hey, we want to give this type of genre a try. But now it's like, no, it truly has to be something that like we get excited about. It almost makes us emotional. It, and, and it does come from real life because, if, I mean, at, at the end of the day, we all have the same experiences, even though they're unique. They have kind of the same base in some way. So well, it makes them relatable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like ours, not, you know, the movie's about rejection and only a handful of people have been on a reality show, but so far in the festivals, people can really relate to just rejection, just the almost, the, the never happened, what, the, what if, the, the, what you do with loss. And so, um, so we're always trying to find a story like that. And um, yeah, like I'm working on a couple things now that are that I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm really exposing myself and how weird I am and like what, you know, what's really happened in my life. And same with my husband. But yeah, we're always trying to grab something that grabs us. And we think, you know, would have that. it's like we, I almost feel responsible for the audience. It sounds weird, but like I feel responsible about what I'm putting out to an audience, what message, what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, all that. So yeah, we really have to be able to put everything around that to be able to present that. I would, I can't kind of just find something that's neat, that's awesome, but it has to grab us for sure and our true stories. I think that makes sense. I mean, my brother and I have worked together for years. He's a writer director as well. And, you know, there there was oftentimes where we had ideas or lots of ideas or buckets of ideas or whatever. And, and they were, some of them were ideas that were just good at a time. Like they kind of seemed like they would make sense. If we made the movie tomorrow, this would be a hilarious idea, or this would be an excellent film or whatever. And, and they were good ideas, Mm -hmm. but they were, they were opportunistic. They weren't necessarily things that were going to stand the test of time. They were mm-hmm. ideas that w- when you got a little further into them, you realized they were fairly one note or fairly shallow. And then there were the ideas that we would find within those buckets and seas and oceans of ideas and long discussions of, you know, over many right. drinks, there would be one that would come to the fore and would, it would, it, it was never the one you'd expect, but it was the one right. that was, as you're saying, the most authentic, the most universal and yet the most unique at the same time. So it's something that mm-hmm. can be related to. And at the same time, you haven't quite heard that story before. And that always was the one that sort of that we kept inching forward and inching forward. And it would never go away. No matter how many times we put it in a drawer, it would come back. And we go, right. yeah, I still like that idea. I still like right. it. There's something there. And those are the ones that you wind up devoting all your time and energy to. Right. They ask you to do it. They, they demand you do it. Yeah, that is so well put. It's like you're, yeah, you're just drawn to it. And then you start... It's like you start writing it, you start talking about it, and it's like you're just, it's like being drunk on it or something. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. totally know. Yeah, and you can't yeah. stop. You just, you keep going on, and, and you, you seem to only find more interesting things, not, you never hit a wall. Right. Like, and then, and then, and then, and then this happens, and then maybe that could happen, and who knows what he thinks about this, and maybe she does that, and you know, right. you get jazzed. You don't totally. get bored with it and stuff. Yeah. Totally. And then you annoy all of your friends and family, and then they tell you all to screw <laughs> off and shut up and talk about something different. 
And they still don't think it's good until they see no. it. And they're like, oh. <laughs> oh, that's what you were okay. talking about. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. I didn't know you actually were in it. Oh, you wrote it too? Aunt Jenny, I told you 40 million times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But don't get me wrong. We do have like in our, our, our little company that we are, we have a little portfolio for Hallmark pitches. We're just like, what if, and we're just putting the puzzle pieces together. A radio show host comes home because the ranch, you know, we're just like, we still have those just to get those for fun. But the ones that will actually like develop from the ground up are the ones that are like, all right. You're, you know, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's not a matter of every idea being super serious. I mean, great comedies come about the same way. It's the little idea oh, yeah. that you just love, really silly, slapsticky things, and and demented, funny, odd things. I mean, that they all come from this right. one thing you, that, that that sort of sinks its hooks into you, and you can't let go. Then you're forced right. to make it. Right. You're just you're screwed. Then you got it. Yeah, do something. you're like in it. Like yeah, you got to figure out the. We got to figure out the. Like it's always a puzzle. You're just like, what's the next clue? How do we do this? Yeah. Yeah, you either need it's to so make true. the film, or you need like some sort of penicillin to get rid of it. It's just an infection. <laughs> screwed. It's true. Tell me about what it is. I mean, I know from my perspective, working with with my own creative family, uh, you know, uh, Casey and I sometimes do bits and bobs together, but mostly we're in different spheres. But my brother and I've worked together for years. Right. What is it like to work with your significant other? so closely in such intense ways? You know, people ask us that all the time because we do so much together, but it's just, it just works. We've just been able, well, we're different actors. You know, I've done a lot of musical theater. He studied in London for Shakespeare and does more like film. And we have two totally different backgrounds in life. Like we're just very different, but for whatever reason, when it comes to, we've tried to produce separately with different people and it's been fine, but not until like we do it together has it become like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is the thing. And, um, you know, we've learned our weaknesses. We've learned our strengths. You know, we still just have marriage things, like, especially on zoom, like, you know, in a meeting (laughs) before a meeting the other day, I had to say, okay, these are the things we can't say. I'm just going to piggyback on that. I'm like, no piggybacking. We're not piggybacking. No, we just still have those like little practical things like don't say that in front of people. But we have, I think the movie has been like a five year, probably longer, just huge growth journey. And that's really established how we work and what we do. And so we've respected our differences and they do go well together. I'm very anal retentive. I'm more of a writer. Um, my husband just has really a huge imagination. He's really a great producer. You know, he can like have the conversation and talk to the lawyer and do those things. Um, and so we have, we have those together. And then we have a friend of ours that is now part of our team, Nate Johnson, who is a photographer. Um, and he produced a couple projects with us until we were like, Hey, we need a third person in here. So we don't kill each other. Do you want to join? And <laughs> the so tiebreaker. Yeah. And he's very different than us. He's like the creative director. So he can't have a, you know, like he's great. We don't post anything until he looks at it. Cause he'll be like, ah, uh, there's a hair on the you know, the <laughs> nose of somebody. And this is our movie poster. I'm like, Oh, oops. So we do, we do, we have to do that. We do have to compartmentalize though, because we, especially during quarantine, we have our kids, we have our marriage, we have our company, and then we have our individual acting lives. So we definitely really like, this is how long we're working when we're with the kids, we're present. I, we can't talk about 
that and whose bill needs to be paid and you know like while i'm making dinner like we just we've tried really hard to keep things separate and you kind of can turn it on and turn it off has that worked yes and no it depends on where we are in the project if you're in pre-production of something yeah now you're like done you're just talking movie all the time and then you're dealing with a lot but you know if i'm like really excited about an idea i probably won't talk to him about it until the kids go to bed and he's not watching the game and we're just like, hey, you want to talk about work or not? We, yeah, we've been trying to be intentional. You just have to. Like in marriage, you have to be intentional. So same with work and same with parenting. Yeah, it, it helps to compartmentalize. That's for sure. Uh, especially, I mean, I, I'm married to a civilian, you know, not an entertainment <laughs> human. And uh, though an oddly talented um, civilian who had to choose between becoming a lawyer and yeah. going into opera as a singer. You're kidding. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, what made so, her decide law? My understanding is that opera singers do not make a great living. It's a pretty tough, tough yeah. road to hoe. You know, I think it's a pretty specific audience and stuff. But her and her yeah. family are, are longstanding fans of opera. And uh, in fact, that was one of our first dates was she took me to uh, to the Aww. opera. And I struggled mightily to stay awake, only to look over and see her snoring. <laughs> Love at first sight. That's so great. So, yeah. So, obviously, That's that wonderful. worked out. Great, great first date. But she's, uh, even even regardless of the fact that we, you know, have very different types of professional endeavors, she and I also compartmentalize. We have to. I mean, you right. can't. We haven't had yeah. a, a conversation that hasn't been interrupted by our kid in oh, yeah. the entire time our kid has been alive. So like, you know, I mean, three years we haven't spoken to <laughs> yeah, each other. I, I haven't gone to the bathroom by myself in about Oh, yeah, that's years. done. I know that's yeah. TMI, but it's just the truth. <laughs> There's no, I've just accepted it. Yeah. Well, you start off when you're like, I got to keep the door open so I can see the kid while I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And then it just turns into, oh, the door is closed. (laughs) Dada, what are you doing in there? And then you never close the door ever again. So now we've both overshared. So that's what's happening there. Don't worry. Nobody hears this podcast. That's what we're doing. All the, everyone's just tuning out on the poop part. (laughs) I also didn't know poop on your finger was a regular thing when you're a parent, like once a week at least. (laughs) No one told me that. But now I know. So FYI, anyone thinking about having kids, poop on the finger once a week, at least. <laughs> anyway, creativity is just everywhere. So with all the stuff that's going on in your life between yeah. a marriage, multi-kids, a uh, small pandemic issue we've got going on, closures yeah, cool. of entire industries, quasi-openings, reopenings, reclosings, and all this stuff. What what keeps you moving forward? What keeps you motivated to keep doing this? Man, you know, it has just been always the thing that has made my heart beat. Like I, I, you know, even in New York, I used to, I mean, I've been in New York until this year and now we're in New Orleans, but you know, like even like 10 years ago, I would, when I wouldn't get a job or, you know, so close once again or whatever, or I was like, really on a high uh, in something. I just, it's just always been the thing I loved. And then I always thought, I wish I could just be satisfied doing something else because it is so heartbreaking to, because it's hard. It's just really hard. Yeah. And so um, I just, I, I guess now I have found ways I, I would never have seen myself as a writer or a creator or a producer. I actually, you know, I think when I started out acting, it was like, you have to do one thing and that's what you do. And if you do something else, you're not really looked at 
seriously or you're it's confusing to people and now that's different and that is not the case and a lot of actors are writing a lot of writers are producing all the different things so i just i feel like because i've kind of let my think my creativity open in certain areas and tried not to edit it, edit myself so much you know just be like well what do i have to lose I'm just write it real quick and by myself and see what happens and then take the next step and just kind of keep going that has been great to just you know if one thing's not there i used to be so um so devastated by rejection and not getting a part and just being like the actor with no job and i like i told you i just couldn't do that anymore just couldn't be that person and so i just am like kind of flip-flop through what what is what what's happening now like what's grabbing my attention now create creatively like do i really need to be writing this one thing or do or this other thing i still like take voice lessons every week i still take acting i still train i'm still like in it so um you know why i think it's just kind of part of my dna and i do feel like even though the rejection and the life of it can be so hard I still choose that over not doing it. I still think I would be sad to not do it. I think I would be missing a part of myself. I actually think I just wouldn't be like kind of answering a call that's been put on my life in a way that's who I am and way makes me who I am. So um, it's kind of like health. Honestly, I do it for health in a way. <laughs> Is there some point at which you want to get to or something you want to convey or achieve with your work? be it on the stage or on the screen? Yes. I mean, I've had a huge year of shifting just how I see and how I feel about, like I said, I started out desiring to be Ethel Merman and then realizing, well, what does that really mean? And I've had a huge year of just, you know, letting things happen and not actually wondering what's next for the first time, which is weird because I know we're in a pandemic. It's like, well, what's next? I've, for the first time, been like, I'm excited to not know and anything can happen. And I think that's because of the movie. You know, it's like, I just would never have seen myself doing that. I still want to headline a Broadway show. I've been on Broadway. I've done tours and things like that. I still have shows that I want to do. But of course, in my anal retentive mind, they're very specific roles. <laughs> What's the <laughs> dream then, role? Oh, uh, well. Put it out there. I, I probably shouldn't say, but there was a project I did that I think is still in the works. And I really want to play this part. And um, I guess that's all I could really say because I signed an NDA, even though I don't know. When next, if I get the part, I'll call you and we'll redo, we'll like add this to the, the episode. But I always love playing real people. Like I love playing, I would love to just dive into a real person and study them and their voice and their life. And, and, and that would be a dream to play a real person. Um, I now want to write more um, in film and television. And I kind of now know what I like to write. And I'm not like ashamed of that. And like what I like to put up on screen. You know, I think I used to really want to make, you know, feel like I had to have some important voice and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I actually like like adventures and babysitting. That's my favorite movie. Or <laughs> Home Alone, I could watch all year. I love movies that happen in like one night when there was no internet. <laughs> Like, I just love those. What? What? So I'm always, or these kind of what, like bigger, like outrageous characters or musicals. I like that with like, with real storylines that really capture your heart. So I would love to continue to write and produce and make film and television that would be doing that. Um, so those would be my goals. But I actually, I used to really be like, 
checking playbill.com and wondering, and I say this because I'm proud of myself to going through it and just going, Hey, I don't even know what's coming. I mean, of course I try to stay in the know. Clearly this year is crazy, but I'm just going to stay training. I'm going to stay creative. And I just like, I'm excited for whatever happens next. I think that comes with parenthood too. You're just kind of like, Oh, 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 we're going with life. We're here we go. Yeah. I mean, do you find being an actor, being a producer and, and, and doing these things with kids in tow, like, has that changed things a lot for you? Well, it's funny because when we had our first kid is when we became, wanted to become very productive. It was like a weird thing. It's like, we had our son, we were so tired. I'm nursing, don't know what I'm doing. We're in like this small apartment. Let's make a movie. There was something about us that was just like in production mode because of having our son. Um, I don't know. There's something it, it, it's, they kind of inspire it in a weird way. You know, when, you know, when you used to have a lot of time on your hands and you kind of got nothing done and then all of a sudden it's Monday, you only have one hour and you do all of your week's errands and work. It's like that. It's like all of a sudden you have a time limit window and you get so much more done. And I think that's kind of <laughs> the picture of our life now. But no, they inspire it. Yeah, they, it's a pick and choose. Like sometimes I'll be on the phone talking about an idea and I'm like, all right, I need to put my kid down for a nap. And it helps you, you know, decipher what you want to put your attention to for sure. So I'm kind of curious with the movie. How did you guys get it financed? I mean, movies are not small hobbies to have. 15 days of shooting with, I'm assuming ballpark, you know, let's call it 25 to 50 people on set at any given time. How is this finance? Yeah, we had like a hundred and something on set. You had a hundred and something. We had a big crew. We had, we had a really big crew. Well, we, we did the old fashioned route where we just had a pitch deck, a script, and we knocked on doors like Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> you know, like we just were like, you know, I just knocked on doors like, hey, not sure if you're, you know, investing in film, you know, email, do all these different things. But there was a moment when we realized we thought we could actually shoot this in New Orleans better than New York. Because originally we thought we need singers, we need that kind of talent. Let's do it in New York. Um, but, you know, you can't do an indie film with where you need to build a reality show and a st- all that stuff. So we came down to New Orleans because my husband's from here and they have a huge tax incentive and they have a special tax incentive for indie filmmakers under 10 million or something because <laughs> you can make an indie film. for yeah. 10 And um, and we were knocking on doors and we literally were knocking on doors and pitching it. And we, we came to um, a soundstage called Second Line Stages here. And the owner is this woman, Susan Brennan. Um, and my husband is from a family that's has a business that's been in New Orleans like a hundred years. And she has a family that's like that. They don't know each other, but that was like, hi, I, you know, our aunt, could we talk to you about the space um, and talk to you about the film? And would you want to produce on this, you know, AKA invest? And we pitched it to her and she, um, she wasn't able to actually invest cash, but she gave us the soundstage and she gave us everything we needed, which was pretty much, it'd be the biggest investment we had in the entire film. We were able to build a reality show. We were able, we used every nook and cranny. We had our production offices there, wardrobe. She gave us a huge investment by just letting us have the soundstage, which was enormous. And then we had other investors. Once we got one person on board to believe in us and back us and we could say, hey, we're doing this, this is what it is. Um, the piece that one, a next person would come. So then we got a couple more investors and then we had loan money to loan against the tax credit here. 
Right. So for any filmmakers out there, you know, you're just like putting the pieces together. But it's interesting because we um, wanted to get a loan. It was really hard. You know, the interest rate was really high. It didn't make sense. Like, why would we loan that? And, you know, um, and we had we had purchased a house while we were down here because we thought we wanted a property. We could Airbnb it out, but we could be here while we're making the film. And because of the house, we were able to get like a better loan that actually hadn't barely interest. So anyway, all this to say, there were these miracle steps that just were like our life kind of made, made the movie happen. How long did that whole process take? I mean, you know, I know you had needed certain things for the film specifically, but when you're looking for money, where do you look for money? Just rich people? Well, you go to people you know. Yeah, you go to your family. If you're making an indie film, you go to your family first and or who you think would invest. Um, then their friends or whoever they they would have. Um, you know, what I learned about get, you know asking for money is that people are investing in you. They, they, your project has to be great and you, you know, they have to like what you're doing, but they're actually just giving you the money. They're saying like, I trust you. There's something about what you're doing. This is the right time, whatever. So I had a, recently had a friend, um, she's raising money for an art program she's doing in New Orleans. And I was like, oh, I see the other side. I, people are wanting to invest in her who has the vibe and the thing and the, the goal and all that. So, um, yeah, we, it was, you know, we had a family member invest. We had a co a, a producer we worked on. He got investment from another producer who was really interested. Um, clearly Susan gave us the studio, which was a huge investment. And then we're indie films. So everybody's doing everything for nothing in a way, and then receiving points on the back end. So that's how you actually make your film. So it was a lot of, we, you know, just asking and pushing and loaning and tax crediting and hiring local and doing everything we could and squeezing everything out of it. Yeah. That's very similar to, to some of the projects that we've done. Yeah. We've been involved in these indie productions and really it's, it's a matter of figuring out what these different pieces are, who, you know, who, you know, that might know someone else and then opening up your mouth and asking for it. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, is people want to be involved in making movies. Yeah. They do want to make some money back or, you know, make sure that it's worth the investment and so on and so forth. But, you know, at the end of the day, they want to be involved. These are exciting projects. Yeah. They're interesting and they're fun and they're fascinating. And as they can see the ball getting rolling, they can say, yeah, I helped that get onto screen and come into reality. Right. Not everybody gets to do what we do. Not everybody gets to right. call something up from the ether and somehow forge it into reality. Right. And that's really what you're doing. No matter what kind of artistic endeavor or entertainment endeavor you're doing, you're, you're, you're making something out of nothing. Right. And so people get really excited about that because most people don't have exciting jobs. <laughs> exactly. No, it's so true. And I also learned that, you know, like on that is like everything is already in your hand, as weird as that sounds. We, the whole process of making the movie from like we were talking about raising money and asking people and getting in connection. It was all already in our hand. Like who we made a list at one point of everyone we knew of and, and who would be a part, you know, and you just, you, you, if you, if you just decide and you know, this is inevitable, I'm going to make this. Then when you ask or you pitch, it's not so detrimental. It's, it's, Hey, it's not working for you. Great. And then you just have to believe it will come. Absolutely. And there's always someone else on the list. I mean, as crazy as it sounds. So, Hey, hey I, I want five grand from you. I don't want to give you five grand. Okay. I'm going to go ask the person beside you for five grand. Like you're going to get that <laughs> money. You're going to go find you're gonna get it. If yeah. You're driven. If you're going to make this project, that's how you're going to get it. You're going to not yeah. stop until you get the money you need to actually make it. Right. But then there's the next question. I mean, then you go out and you make it. Yeah. And I think a lot of folks understand what it is to be on set in the grandest 
easiest sense, which is basically just insanity for the duration of the shoot. Mm. You shoot 12 to 14 hours a day. You sleep on set, basically, and then you wake up and do it again. But then there's like the point you're at right now. You've gone through mm-hmm. production. You've gone through post. You've put this thing together, and now you're putting it out. Mm-hmm. How do you sell this movie? What do you do with this movie? It's going to go into festivals, but what what is the end goal for it? How does it travel, and how does it move to the next point? Yeah, well, I mean, our you have your main goal, but that can change. I mean, our goal is that it lands on a platform. Originally, our goal was that it landed on a great streaming platform. We um, didn't think we would do a theatrical because we are a small film, but we wanted to be on a Netflix or an Amazon. Now, my goal is that it be on the platform that that would reach the most audience members and the audience that will love this film. I want it so specific to this film, whether that be like Lifetime or Hulu or whatever. We are actually getting really great feedback in the festivals. I don't mean to like, I've just really actually taken it back. I think people are enjoying a feel good comedy right now in this time. We are getting great awards. We're getting, you know, we have people, the story's really touching them or they like the music or, um, you know, so we, right now we're under review with all major streamers right now with our rep. And then we're in festivals to really build our audience and get the buzz out there and build that. Um, so now we're, we're, we're wondering what the next steps are because everything has changed this year. I've, every part of this, this process of the film has been like a living organism that can shift with the time and shift with, you know, so it's always good to have the one goal. But now we're like, maybe we could do a small theatrical release because it is a theatrical movie. Like it's, it's like a pitch perfect type movie. So you, you want to be in a theater with other people, but could before when it was like, okay, everything shut down, there's no theatrical releases. Now it's like, well, maybe this could be a solution to spring of next year when people are trying to get theaters back and indie theaters are trying to get back into the game. And maybe we could be part of that solution and and benefit us too. So um, yeah, there are a lot of ways, but I think the main thing where we just are constantly serving the film, we're constantly saying what's best for the film. We may have our ideas as filmmakers and creators and all that stuff, but you know, we, from writing the script to the editing, to the casting, to it's like, what is best for the project? And once everybody's on board with that, then we actually kind of land in the right spot, you know, and you can take a left turn when you're all going right. It's like, wait, what's actually best, you know? And so that's been kind of a really exciting and scary process, but, but really thrilling too. I'm curious, you have made a movie, you like your movie, Mm-hmm. You know what your movie's supposed to be doing and how it's supposed to hit you. Mm-hmm. Have you encountered people who have who the movie have hit in a different way, positive and negative? Like, how does that feel to hear how your movie is affecting people? Well, I've had people along the process like really not like it, <laughs> like people <laughs> that were going to work on it, and you know, I've had some major growing with that and just letting people not like it, and that's okay. Because I just, like we talked about in the beginning of like, when you make a project, you have to, you have to come alive with it. So that's all that matters. If you know you're doing everything you can to make the thing that makes you so excited, like there's something to that. You can't ignore that. So 
you know, we were, you know, we had someone that really didn't like it and it kind of showed in his work. Like you just didn't like it. And I just was like, I don't, it's okay. You don't have to like it, but we, I think this is the right movie for you to work on. You don't like it. <laughs> so there have been things like that. And at first it was hurtful. And this, then I thought, you know, it's okay. And that, that's where I changed my idea of like, Hey, I really want this to land with the audience that loves it because it's for them. It really is for the ones that want to take this in. I am taking, like we had our, our, you know, cousin, my husband's cousin over the other night outside, you know, with masks on. And um, he was like, and then the moment when, and then I didn't know. And then for my 12 year old girls, I mean, that message was, and it was actually like, oh my God, you really felt that you really took. So those, the, it does feel separate of me. Like it's my, it's the way I feel about it is one thing. And other people have taken moments for themselves. You know, there's a, there's a mom daughter relationship that people are really like, wow, that moment was really hard to watch. And they, they understand that. Or, um, you know, they just, sometimes they just take in the fact that people are singing and they just love that. And they forget that they like to feel good. Um, or he said, I didn't pick up my phone once, like little things that along the way that I've asked in feedback screenings, when did you want to pick up your phone and you didn't want to watch the scene? And someone would tell me and I'm like, all right, and just take that in and we edit that down. Yeah. I, I find it similar. I mean, I think with, I think with all artists, no matter their discipline, there's a moment at which you have to display the piece, the art, mm -hmm. the movie, the mm -hmm. song. Once you put it out, realistically, some people are going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. Most people will likely be indifferent to it or never find it in the whole vast world of all this stuff that's being made. But for those people that really do love yeah. it, the people that really resonates with, I mean, that's really what you're doing it for. You mm -hmm. know, those are your people. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes you want to do more of it. Right. Right. You're telling, like, you've, I feel responsible for them. You know, like, that's what I'm saying, that, that audience. Yeah. And it means that all the negativity goes away. You just right. go, oh, these people like it. Right. I don't care what you say. Yeah. And I think that helps you carve out your own path of what you're making and just not feel ashamed about that, feel good about that, that it helps you cut off the fat of all the stuff that, of approval. Like I need to make this because this is what makes a good filmmaker. And I need to make this because I need to be a writer that does this because that's, what's cool now, or only these kinds of indie films are in festivals or only these kinds win awards or these actors. It's just like that, all that jargon is just, all that is just not true. It's, they're just the things that tell you what you're supposed to be doing. And I mean, all the cliches are real. If you really like stick to you, what's true for you, that will come on screen. You know, we were told so many times, don't share the movie until it's completely done. Don't submit the movie until it's completely done. Don't be on anyone else's timeline. And of course we didn't do that. You know, you, you share it. I share it with my manager, you know, different people, but to every filmmaker out there, just wait till it's done. <laughs> because then you can really say, you know, you can always see the vision, but you know, it's just good to get it all together and say, this is it. And I love what we did on this. So, well, where can people learn a little bit more about you and the movie? Yeah, you can go to AmericanReject.movie and then you can, you can follow me on social or my website, KathleenMontaleon.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing how you make a living. Yes. Thank you. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening. <laughs>